tonight. I'm just saying. You want to know why? Here's why. You know your message is going to be good, and it's not my message, but you know God's message for the day is going to be good when the day is barely started and you got people going, oh, I'm sorry, I can't come, i got to do this, or oh, this came up, can't come, got to do that. And then you get to church, and the other microphone just won't work at all, and I'm like texting Brown. I was like, this message is going to rock. Yeah. <laughs> the devil really should learn by now that he really can't shut me up. My parents tried for years. I remember my daddy, <laughs> my mama's amen. And y'all, this is, this is my mama. My mama's at church with me today. Yay! Hey, mama. But yeah, I remember as a kid, my daddy would be like, will you shut up? Of course, I talked really fast then. You know how teenagers do. I don't do that anymore. Not at all. Well, I was going to joke. I was going to have a joke about long-winded preachers since Brian's not here to defend himself. Brian's in Texas, y'all. He's at the <laughs> minister's conference getting fed up. Like, not fed up, urgh, but fed up, like, mm, that kind of fed up. <laughs> but anyway, so he's not here to defend himself. I was going to have, like, you know, funny little joke about long-winded preachers. But then God, God kind of reminded me as I was telling Mama about it that the last time I joked about long-winded preachers, I preached longer than him. And then the last weekend, when Paige and I preached at a women's conference, we were told to preach for like 15 to 20 minutes. So <laughs> I went up there, and I'm like, okay. And I looked at the clock. I was like, okay, I'm just going to look at the clock. That way, if I get the spirit of Brian on me, I can stop myself. And wouldn't you know it, I still went five minutes over the long time. Like, I went 25 minutes <laughs> So I can't joke about long-winded preachers because, well, well, next. My mama said that she will protect y'all. She's watching out for you. She's watching her clock, and she's going to clear her throat if I'm going too long. So that won't happen. It's going to be a good night. It's a good message. Um, how y'all doing? Awesome. Increase. Awesome. This has been such a great week, y'all. If y'all didn't hear Sunday's message, you need to go back and hear it because Brian is going to continue on it on this coming Sunday. But you need to hear the foundation. Brian's increase message is just the bomb diggity. It was good. Just the hand of God was all over it. I sat back there, and I'm when I'm sitting back here, you'll see me on my phone, I'm posting quotes from... The message, the kind of throughout the message on Facebook. So I'm like, this is good. People need these little tidbits, you know, these morsels. And I'm back there going, dude, this is so good. I don't even know which one to post. And I'm, so I'm back there taking notes on my thing. And I didn't post much because I didn't want to miss anything. But I'm going, golly, Pete, this is some good meat, like ribeyes. So Sunday was good. Y'all need to listen to it. And then make sure you hear this Sunday. Which goes into my message. Abigail, if you will throw up my pretty little picture, isn't that pretty? Isn't that cute? That is your message for tonight. Why church? Why should we go to church? We kind of just sing about it. God said, or the song said, where you go, I go. What you say, I say. So here's my question. Will you really? Because there is, like never before in my Christian walk, just a complete and utter lack of esteem for the church, a lack of esteem for the fivefold ministry and for butts being in the pews. And it's not just for a butt to be in the pew. There is a very vital purpose to church. It's not just a check the box. I mean, you've heard us say it before. If your heart's not right, you might as well not come. And I still stand by that. If your heart's not right, don't bother. It's you're filling a seat that somebody else needs to see, needs to feel. But here's the thing. As a Christian, every one of us should have our heart right in this area. So let's start with why. Um, first and foremost, because Jesus did it. So where you go, Lord, I'm going to go. Well, Jesus went to church. How do we know this? Because in, when he was a kid, you've read in the Bible, it's in Luke, he went missing. And of course, like any of us parents, you know, Mary and Joseph are like, where is this kid? Where is he off to? Doesn't he know he should be right here? 
Why is he not here? And they're looking frantically for him. And then you get over to Luke chapter 2, verse 49. And Jesus said, why'd you need to search? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? He's like, duh. I mean, for him, it, it wasn't an option. It's where else would I be? And then you go over to Psalm 27.4, and David, a man after God's own heart, says the one thing I ask of the Lord, the thing I seek most, is to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, delighting in the Lord's perfections and meditating in his temple. Y'all, the one thing he desires the most is to be with his ditty, to be in his ditty's house. And then you uh, flip over to Acts, Verse 20, uh, chapter 20, verse 20, verse 7. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking till midnight. I will not talk till midnight. <laughs> Brian left Monday, but he didn't talk till midnight on Sunday. But, I mean, you've got Jesus. Where else would I be? You've got David. My heart of hearts. The one thing I want to do is to be in my daddy's house. And then you've got an Acts where the first day of the week, they gathered together and Paul preached to them. For Christians in every location throughout the Bible, regularly gathering together was a part of life. If we take our followership of Christ seriously, why aren't we following him to church? And this, this message isn't just, I mean, this really isn't for the lost. This is for the believers. This is for the ones that call you know, themselves Christian, for the mature believers. But yet you look on a Wednesday night and across the board, every church I have ever been to, everyone I've ever been to on Wednesdays, it's the core group. And then there's a whole bunch of seats empty. Where are all the other people that call themselves followers of Christ? Why aren't they following him to the temple like he did? In everything that God tells us to do, we have the opportunity to obey him or not. Just like Barrett was talking about in tithes and offerings. In Hebrews 10.25, it tells us, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his returning is drawing near. Y'all, it gets closer every day the day of his return. And I know for 20, Brian and I were talking about this last night. For 2,000 years, the day of his return is drawing closer because as soon as he sent the Holy Spirit, he says, I send the Holy Spirit. You know, in the last days. These are the last days. But then you listen to prophecy, biblical prophecy, and we are there. We are in the last days of the last days. And it says, let us not neglect are meeting together, especially now that the last days are drawing near. He commanded us through his word to get together with other believers in a corporate setting. And we have the opportunity to either obey or to ignore what our Lord and Savior has asked us to do. And in John fourteen fifteen, it says, very simply, if you love me, you obey my commandments. So, I mean, I could literally stop right here and be done with this. Do you or do you not love Jesus? Have you agreed to follow him? Have you made him the Lord of your life? Because if you have, then you're saying, as the Lord of my life, I'm going to obey you. I'm going to trust that although you didn't want to die, Although you didn't want to suffer and go through the pits of hell, you did that for me. So I'm going to show you I love you by giving up, you know, an hour on Sunday, an hour on Wednesday. I'm going to follow you to the temple because for you, where else would I be, was your mindset. And if that's your mindset, then that should be my mindset. The end, that should be it. But then we ask, well, why did God take this so seriously? Why was it such a big deal to be in church, to go to the temple? Because gathering together with other believers in church allows us to connect. It allows us to receive strength and to give strength. 
It allows us to receive encouragement and to give encouragement. When we come to church, we learn how to apply the word of God in our lives so that we can overcome the things that we are going through. Anybody here ever had something to overcome? What happened if you never had anybody teach you how to overcome? We receive the wisdom we need to live victoriously in our lives. What happened if you had never heard Brian tell you he is always leading you to triumph? This is where I was when we first got married. This is why I gave myself ulcers, literally ulcers. Couldn't eat. If I ate, it came right back up. That's how much fear I was operating in before I understood that I have already been given a victorious life. What would have happened if I'd have married a man who didn't esteem going to church? I'd still be in the, that fear-based mentality. I'd still be living day after day worrying, not knowing who my Savior is. How about accountability? God designed the church as a place where spiritual leaders could watch out for our wear, our wear fate, blah, blah, welfare as a shepherd guards the sheep. They're picking on my talking. All right. In 1 Peter 5, 2, he talks to pastors. He says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Watch over it willingly, not grudgingly. Not for what you will get out of it, but because you are eager to serve God. Don't lord over the people assigned to your care, but lead them by your own good example. Y'all, God has given a pastor. He has assigned a pastor to you, ordained him to lead you. He is, God has made you. If you listen to God and you follow God on where he's led you, he has a place for everyone. That's why when anybody walks through this door... Brian and I will tell them from the get-go, you are more than welcome. Try us out for a day, try us out for a week, try us out for a month. But Boomerang may not be the place for you because God has a pastor who has a heart for you. He has a pastor that has been assigned to you, who he's entrusted to you. If you are in that place, then you've got a pastor who God has said, Brian and Nicole are Devin Stevens' pastors. They love them like family. They have a heart for them. When they hurt, the pastors hurt. When they joy are rejoicing, the pastors rejoice. If they go off, the pastors leave these to go get them and gently and lovingly guide them back. When they need correction, the pastors love them enough to not tickle their ears, but say, I love you, but you may have missed it here. Let me show you the right way. If pastors weren't important, why would God tell them to do this? Then you flip over to Hebrews 13, 7, and here's where he's talking to us as congregants. He says, obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. That's a pretty heavy verse. When you realize your pastor's not here just to get a paycheck. We went for over four years doing this without a paycheck and would have done it for four more. Because God has made these pastors accountable for your soul. That's a big deal. It tells us, give them a reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. We need to be here. We need to sit in our seats excited, not cows looking at a new gate. We need to sit here, and when pastors are preaching, amen, yes, Lord, I receive that. That word's for me. We need to be taking notes because we realize come Monday, I may not remember what that said, but that's a good point. Or if you're one, I'm a note taker. I, I take notes. I remember by taking notes. So you will see me on my phone or on my iPad or on a piece of paper, and you can guarantee I'm taking a note. For Brian, he's different. He doesn't want to take a note. He is not going to take his eyes and his ears off that minister unless the word of God speaks to him to write something down. But you soak it up. You pull, and let me tell you, you can feel it. When you preach, you can feel 
when people are pulling on that spirit, when people are pulling on that word, and they're going, yes, give me more of that. This is what it means. I give them reason to do this with joy. Because when a pastor knows that people are here, people are hungry for the word of God, people will do what God says to do, go where God says to go. You just, you have made their day Christmas. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every message they preach, pull on them, be hungry for more. That's when you give them a reason to do this with joy. It's important. A Christian who answers only to himself can easily rationalize sinful attitudes or actions. Regular contact with other Christians keeps us sharp. When we're here, sitting here looking at our pastors, when we get up at meet and greet and we love on people, when we get up at the end and we're saying goodbye to people or in the beginning and hello to people, we are iron sharpening iron constantly. We're saying, hey, Paige, how you doing? How you feeling? Did you have a good day? What's going on? Hey, Priscilla, how you doing? What are you dealing with? What can I pray for you with? And that's where we come to each other. We say, you know what? I'm dealing with this. I'm dealing with, you know, Luke starting to realize he has his own personality and you tell him not to touch something and he's going. (laughs) And that's when somebody else can say, let me give you a piece of advice on that. Or... When someone's dealing with a a big situation, they need guidance. They pick up the phone and say, Nicole, Tara, whoever, I've got this situation. It looks this way. It looks sugar-coated. It looks wonderful. But I need your help on this. I need your guidance on this. What does the Word of God say on this? What was it that Pastor Brian said about love? Can you remind me what he said when he was talking about this? And we're sharpening each other. We're saying this is what we do. This is where we look. This is how we go. It helps us to stay straight on the path where we need to go. It is so easy when you are not walking into a church every day or every week and you're not seeing people that you're accountable to. It is so easy to get off that path. I know when Brian and I moved, we, um, when we moved here to Stanley County, we had left, uh, our, well, we didn't leave a church. Our church where we were going dissolved. And that hurt that it hurt us more than what we realized because your church is your family. Y'all, I'm not kidding. When I text you, if you're missing on a Sunday and I text you, hey, just wanted to say I love you and I miss you, I'm not checking in on you to say, why weren't you there? I'm saying I love you. I miss seeing your face. I miss hugging your neck, shaking your hand, picking on you. I miss being with you. This is family. And for us, when our church dissolved, we lost family. Everybody kind of went and split their own way, and we came here, and instead of doing what we needed to do and finding a church right away, we had a little pity party for about a year. It was a real long party. Um, and we just didn't go anywhere. And it was so much easier to pick up that corona with lime on a hot day. It was so much easier to sleep late on Sunday and get up, do whatever we wanted to do, not be accountable to anybody. But then we started noticing it was so much easier to wallow in the crud of the world. We didn't have anything keeping us sharp. So when things started coming our way, our acts was dull. I mean, we would try to beat it to death instead of one quick blow and dispersing the attacks of the enemy. This is why it's important to be in the church. This is why it's important to have your iron sharpened by other believers. And how about this? And this one kind of got me when I was reading it, um, or typing it up. It's not just about you. It's like, Lord, you're stepping on my toes here. But how about you can help to forever change someone's life by inspiring them to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. Just by your booty sitting in a seat. Because what happens on Sunday when we've got this young couple coming in, they're looking for a church, they're looking for love, they're looking for a family, somewhere they can call home because they moved away and their church dissolved. They got hurt. 
they just need a family to love on them. And they walk in and there's like, mm, not many people here. That pastor must not be preaching anything good. But what we don't know is they've never given their life to God. They've checked the box and they've come to church, but they've never said, Lord, you are my savior. I'm going to live for you. And they walk right out and they say, you know what? I'm tired of looking. Just whatever. And they never come back. And they never give their life to God. Suddenly, you're behind being here in a seat, whether you're scrubbing a toilet or making coffee or just being here to say good morning is a whole lot more important. You allow your enthusiasm for the kingdom of God to overflow into the lives of other people. We have had people that walked in here seriously ready to commit suicide. We had one guy that walked in here and look, by the, before he, had, he moved away for work, but before he left, he was like, if it wasn't for Boomerang, I promise you I would not be here. And the difference is because it was real. The people were real. The love was real. The joy was real. You showed me how to find my joy again and really live. I've walked into churches and they've read and they've preached and it was good preaching, but nobody had joy. They sat there and they just stared and then they got up and they left and nobody loved on anybody. And I was just bored to death. And I needed hope. And I needed joy. And I couldn't find it anywhere. I've tried Baptist. I've tried Episcopalian. I've tried Methodist. I've tried full gospel. And I couldn't find anything. And the whole time I just needed God. I just needed the love of God. The joy of God. The peace of God. When you come here and you have that own. People feel that. They can feel it's real. They can see it's real. And suddenly they realize maybe there is something to hope for. I don't know these people. Some of them are loud and some of them are crazy and some of them talk funny, but they're real. Maybe I'll try this another week. And then another week turns into another week. And before you know it, they're you know, running the sound or they're parking the cars or they're leading people to Jesus when just two years ago they didn't know who Jesus was. Suddenly, your being here is a lot more important. If you're a Christian, you're a member of God's church. The church is now your family. In Romans, and I don't have this, so don't worry about it. Um, in Romans 8, 28 through 30, God tells us about being family. He says, for God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. So again, I say, your family. Now with family, mom and I were talking about family today. There's some family, you just want to shake them. There's some family, you just want to smack them. And there's some days, I'm sure Tara may get mad at me. But at the end of the day, when you need something, when you need family, you know right where to go. Because no matter what, Tara knows, come hell or high water, my family will be here for me. God made you family. This is important. People, There are people out there alone that don't have to be alone, that don't know there are brothers and sisters here waiting to love on them, waiting to guide them, waiting to show them the word of God. So what's the purpose of the church? Paul gave an excellent illustration of this in Corinth. And I encourage you to just go through 1 Corinthians 12 and read the whole thing, but we're going to read about half of it right now. The church is God's hand, mouth, feet in this world. We are the body of Christ. He tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12, and we're going to go through 27. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some Gentiles, some slaves, and some free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Next. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. 
And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an ear, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But if our bodies have many parts and God put each part just where he wants it, how strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect these parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. It is so sad to realize that we are all one body. We are not multiple churches. We are one body. But there are people out here who are supposed to be part of our body that aren't because they don't esteem it, because they don't realize the importance of it. They've never been told or they've been hurt or whatever. But we as a whole are less when you're not here. It's not just a, well, they didn't have enough people to fill the seats. You know, they just care about numbers. I don't give a rip about numbers. I care about you being fed. I care about you being helped, about you being loved. I care about the supply that Stephen has that he can bless Brandon with. And the supply that Brandon has that he can bless Jimmy with. Because there are things that Brandon can't do that Jeff can do wonderfully. And there are things that Jeff can do that my mama can't do. There are things mama can do that Tara can't do. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a call. Every single person is important in this body. And just like the word says, the ones that seem the least, oh, those are the ones God calls the greatest. You know, we're up here preaching, and so many people look to the pastor as the greatest and put him on a pedestal, but he's not. You are important. Your supply is important. Your experiences are important. He's here to cover you and to shepherd you and to guide you and to love you. But you have a vital role in this. It is important for you to be a part of the church. If anybody's, I mean, everybody has at some point said, I just want to matter. I just want to make a difference. But the problem is they're meant to matter here. They're meant to be a part of the body. And if they're not a part of the body, they're not in their right place. If you put a toe on the ear, it's not going to matter. It's not going to do its role. It's not going to do its part because it was designed to be a toe. You need to be where you need to be because you matter. You are important. People need you and you need those other people. The New Testament is full of one another commands. We're to comfort one another, 1 Thessalonians 4.18. We're to build up one another, 1 Thessalonians 5.11. We're to confess our sins to one another, 5, 6, James 5.16. We're to pray for one another and many more. But how can we obey those directives if we are constantly staying away from one another? How can we be Christ-like if we never learn what Christ was like? He is the head, and we are the body. A head without a body can't do much. We are his hands. We are his feet. But if we don't come here and find out what our body is supposed to do, we can't do squat. We have to be connected to the head. God wants you to desire his presence. He wants you to have joy when, in your, when you're in his house of worship. There's a psalmist in Psalm 84, verses 1 through 4. He says, How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord, 
of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow builds her nest and raises their young at a place near your altar. O Lord of heaven's armies, my King and my God, what joy for those who can live in your house, always singing your praises. What joy. Yeah, we have it so wrong. We look at it as just one more thing we've got to do. Or we look at it as a let's check the box. We've done our good deed for the day or for the week. But there's so much more. He says, what joy for those who can live in your house. Do y'all know how many people in other countries, there are even people in America, long to be in church, long to be able to worship God, and instead are being beheaded, are being killed, are being tortured and raped and butchered because they can't come to church, because they can't even say his name. They, they hide to pray. They have to make code names for him because if the word Jesus comes out of their mouth, that's the end of their life. But we have the opportunity to do this every week. What joy for those who can live in your house and always sing your praises. What joy for those who know that you're always there for them. You'll never leave them. You'll never forsake them. What joy for those who have brothers and sisters to lift them up, to hold them up, like Aaron and her did to Moses. When our arms get tired, the body helps to hold us up. What joy for those that when I forget who I am in Christ, I can go to my sister and she can say, here's who you are. Here's who your daddy is. Here's what you are. Here's how important you are. What joy for those who get to do this. Shame on us for not esteeming the fact that we can do this all the time. And I know it's with familiarity brings contempt. You know, and we're not accepted in our own town. We're doing the same thing that they did. We see Jesus and we ignore him. I do it. I'll listen to his leading, and I'll be like, mm, maybe that's me, and I'll go this way. Because it's easier. It's more comfortable. There are times when I'm still shy, and Jesus says, just say hey. And I'll make up some stupid, stupid thing. They don't want to talk to me. I'm just me. I'm not important like Brian. I'm not a, pa a head pastor like Brian. If Brian were here, he would talk to him. That would be different. I do the same thing. I don't esteem the leading. I don't esteem his word when I should. There are days when I used, before we pastored, when I used to not want to come to church. I just wanted to sleep late. But the problem was I slept late and I missed the service and then I woke up feeling like my life was missing something. Feeling like I had nothing to offer the world. Feeling like I didn't matter. And I was right. Because I wasn't plugged into the body. Because I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what my role was. I didn't know that although maybe just a little pinky, I had a big role to play. That maybe just a, a nose... I had a big role to play. And so although I slept late and I got my 30 minutes extra of sleep, I felt like crap. Because I didn't esteem my place. I didn't esteem how wonderful for those who can always sing your praises. It really, really boils down to love. We say we'll follow him wherever we go. We say we'll do whatever he wants us to do. We say we'll make him our Lord and our Savior. We say we'll shout it from the rooftops, what Jesus did for me. Y'all, we are so important. God had one son. 
I said this at the ladies thing and God gave it to me right before I said it. And when I, when he gave it to me, it hit me so hard. And suddenly I felt, I felt awful for not esteeming me as God's fruit. God had one son. He sowed it all. Does God get junk? When God plants a seed, you can guarantee God is going to get an abundant, beautiful harvest. We are God's harvest. You are God's harvest. That man out on the street is God's harvest. That girl who's pregnant and doesn't know what to do and just got an abortion and is now hurting and crying and feeling like she's death. She's God's harvest. But will we love them enough? Will we love God's harvest enough to be here? To get fed? To find out who we are? To get filled up? Y'all, Boomerang Church is a prophetic name. God gave that to us. And some of you know the purpose of Boomerang Church's name. Some of you don't. But God showed us a boomerang is a weapon. When you throw it, it goes out. It does what it's supposed to do. And if it's thrown right, it comes back, all of its energy exerted, ready to be picked up, empowered, filled up again, and gone out again. This is who the church is. This is why we are boomerangs. It's not a funny name. It's, I mean, it can be. But it's a, it's a prophetic name. You are a weapon for the Lord God. You are a weapon for the Savior of this world. When you come to the church, you get filled up and empowered with the Word, empowered with teaching, empowered with a shepherd who loves you and guides you and fills you up so that you can go out in the world and you can see those who are hurting. You can see those who are lost and who are dying and you can exert every bit of that energy, every bit of that love, telling them you are harvest. You are God's fruit. Someone died for you, for you alone. If you were the only one, God would have done it. And you come back void of all energy because you gave everything you have and you get filled up again and you do it again. But each and every week when you come back completely void of everything, you know I've made a difference. I've been a weapon for the Lord. I have crushed Satan's head the way God told him I would. I have pulled someone out of the depths of hell and brought them to the church they're supposed to be at. And that may be boomerang, it may be somewhere else. But are they in the seat they're supposed to be in? Are they in the house where they can get filled up, where they can get empowered and they can go out again? If we were doing this, if we truly believed that we were this important, that God had a role for us, these seats would not be enough. This building would not be big enough. The people out there would not be hurting. They'd know who they are. We'd be out here doing what God has called us to do. We would be out there helping people, loving people, giving them reason to live, real, helping them to really find their joy again. We would be the light. This is why church is important. This is why people aren't here. Because Satan knows, just as well as God knows, Satan knows the reason for church. Satan knows that when Sally Jo comes in, she's going to get filled up. She's going to be a force to be reckoned with. Not in her power. It's not me here doing this in my power. It's in the power of God. And when we go out in his power, we accomplish something. We make a difference. This is why people aren't here. This is why we need to be here. Because we need to go out and say, dude, I know there was a game on TV last night. I know you worked hard and you were exhausted, but if you'd have just been there, there was a word for you. Because this word is for every single person that's here and every single person that's not here. People want to know they matter, they need to hear God says you matter. People want to make a difference. You can't make a difference if you don't have the tools. People want to walk in joy. You can't have joy if you don't have the love of God. This is why people aren't in church. Because like I used to do, they hear the little lies and the little deceptions. You need your rest. Bull hockey. You need the strength of God. Not in my strength, in your strength, Lord. 
If we have the strength of God, we don't need anything else. He will give you rest. He says, my yoke is easy. My burden is light. So why do I feel like the world is beating me down? Because I'm picking up the yoke of the world instead of throwing it down and picking up the yoke of God. If we are beating ourselves to death and working ourselves to death and so exhausted that we can't be at church, there's something wrong. We need each other. I need you. You need me. And the great thing is, when you pull on me or I pull on you, we're not pulling on each other, we're pulling on God. Because we are made in His image. So every ounce of us, every good thing in us, that's Him. And when as we pour it out, He fills it up again. As we give, He fills it up again. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. This is how good Daddy is. So can we do what Brian says? And can we love? Remember, love is a choice and commitment to unconditional giving in the obedience of God. Do we really love God enough to give up an hour on our Sunday morning? Do we really love God enough to give up an hour on our Wednesday night? Do we really love the world enough, His children, His harvest enough to miss that TV show so that we can get filled up with His Word and find out what it is that they need, what it is that we have? Do we really love? Because that's, that's what it boils down to. You know, it's so much easier to be an imitator of Christ if we know how He walks, how He talks, how He sounds, and how He loves. This is what church is for. This is why it's important. Because just like Luke will step in Brian's shoes and he'll try to walk, and them shoes are too big. But daily he gets fed and daily he grows healthier and bigger and stronger. And one day he's going to walk and he's going to fill those shoes. Yeah. And one day he's going to be able to run in those shoes. Yeah. And he's going to look just like his daddy and act just like his daddy because he's grown up listening to him, watching him. And he knows, and that's how we are. Sometimes Diddy's shoes feel too big, but as we keep getting filled up with his word, as we keep growing, Together, suddenly Diddy's shoes fit. We get to be his hands and his feet. And we can be so full of joy because we know we're just like our Diddy. What a beautiful thing. When we focus on going to church, we change our atmosphere, we change our mindset. And when our mindset is right, suddenly everything else starts falling in place because we start thinking with the mind of Christ. You'll be amazed at how blessed you are and how much joy you'll have when you experience the presence of the Almighty God. But we have to decide today. It's, it's simply a decision. It's simply saying, where you go, I'll go, Lord. What you do, I'll do. I will be that joyful, zealous church attendee. I will get filled up every week till I'm busting at the seams. But I'm going to pour it out all week too. I've got some jaw-dropping benefits of church attendance. And I'm going to read them so that it doesn't come from me and you can't say, oh my gosh, did you hear what Nicole said? So I got this in a search I was doing. Five statistical benefits for those who attend church. These are all proven studies. One, significantly lowers the risk of depression. Researchers at the University of Saskatchewan, I can say that but not welfare, <laughs> found that the incidence of clinical depression was 22% lower among those who attended religious service at least once a month compared to those who never attend. At first, they suspected this was merely a result of socially supportive relationships. However, their research showed that there are indeed protective factors that are exclusive to church services. Two, better time, life, time and life management. People who attend church 
have better ability to manage time and achieve their goals. Perhaps it's because we follow a God who calls us to redeem the time in Ephesians 5. Also, church attendance has a direct effect on reducing deviant behavior such as drug use, violence, and delinquency among at-risk youth. Three, better grades and higher education prospects. Church attendance is correlated with higher math, reading scores, and greater educational aspirations. Church attenders are more likely to complete homework and degree programs. Four, significantly lowers the risk of death and lengthens life expectancy. Those who go to church are more... Those who go to church more than once a week enjoy even better health than those who attend only once a week. Overall, the reduction in mortality attributable to church going is 25%, a huge amount in epidemiological studies. I can say that, but not welfare. Once again, researchers thought that perhaps this was simply due to having strong supportive relationships But non-church-centered groups didn't experience the same effect, nor did people of worldviews other than Judeo-Christian. That was interesting. This is a maturity meeting, so I'm going to be able to give number five because we are mature. Better sex lives. Somebody just write on their calendar, go to church Sunday. (laughs) A recent University of Chicago study. I'm reading, y'all. This is not me. We're mature, remember? A recent University of Chicago study shown as, known as the most comprehensive and methodical sound sex survey ever conducted found dramatically higher rates of the big O and women who attend church services religiously. This was echoed by a 1940 Stanford University study and a 1970s Red Book magazine survey all found higher levels of sexual satisfaction among women who attend religious services religiously. <laughs> then the dude says, heck, if I didn't believe in God, I'd still go to church. And you know that sounds funny, but, I mean, seriously, how can you truly make love to someone when you don't know who or what love is? Yeah. So, I mean, we laugh, and it's, I mean, it is funny. But the fact of the matter is, if you're having sex with someone, it's because, should be, because they are your spouse. Because you have been united as one in the eyes of God. And sex isn't just sex. Sex can be fun, and sex can be great, but sex is also a beautiful union that God designed to be beautiful. And it's impossible to truly make love to your spouse when you don't know that God is love. And when you don't know who God is, you don't know what love is. So it is physically impossible, spiritually impossible to truly love your spouse when you don't know who God is. This is why it's important to go to church because it affects so many areas of your life. This is multiple surveys from multiple uh, sources. And every one of them backed. Even if you were just going for selfish reasons, you'd live longer. You'd have better sex. You'd be happier. And you may start going for selfish reasons, but I guarantee you when you get a hold of the Word of God, when you get a hold of what church is and who your daddy really is and what a pastor is really supposed to do for you, I guarantee you you won't be going for selfish reasons much longer because you're going to get injected with that love. You're going to start looking like your daddy. You're going to start talking like your daddy. And what a beautiful world this would be. So let's decide today. It's not an option. Live stream, decide today. There are those who physically can't get out of bed and need to watch live stream. There are those who watch across seas in another country. But if you can get to a church, and I don't care where it is, wherever God leads you to be, wherever is your home, Wherever God says this is your pastor, get there. He needs you as much as you need him. Boomerangians, be here. Brian and I need you as much as you need us. Look at the person beside you. They need you as much as you need them. It's a simple decision. I'm going to be what God's called me to be. I'm going to walk in joy because God wants to fill me with joy. I'm going to matter. In this world. 
I'm going to make a difference. This is what church does. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, Father, that even going to church, Jesus led by example. And, Lord, we decide right now. We make the decision right now. We will follow you wherever you go. Even when it's not comfortable, when it's not convenient, Lord, we will follow you. We will be your hands and feet so this world can know you. We won't sit here and fuss and cuss at the newspapers and the TV because this world is in shambles. We will be the light in this world. We will pull it out of the darkness because we are your hands and feet. Father, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you for each and every person on live stream. I thank you for the beautiful part of the body that you have made them. I thank you for the blessing that they are to me, but Lord, I thank you for the blessing that they are to you. I thank you that they matter. I thank you that they make a difference in this world for you. I thank you, Lord, that together we unite as one and we are a part of your body, Lord. You've given us the honor of being a part of your body. And Lord, we do. We count it as such an honor. And we love you. And we praise you. And we, do no, we no longer disesteem your value for us. We, we no longer underesteem what you've called us to do and the difference you've called us to make. We thank you for calling us important. And Lord, I just pray for the wisdom and the faith and the obedience for every person as they're deciding whether or not to go to church and what church to go to, I thank you for speaking to them and showing them exactly where they need to be, exactly what their place is, because wherever you have designed their place to be will be a perfect blessing to you and to them, Lord. And I thank you for speaking to them now. And I thank you, Lord, for your love for us, for your blessings on us. And I thank you for the honor of being used by you. Thank you, Lord, for speaking through me. We praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. All done. That's what, that's what Luke says. Darkness you shine I